This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Well, following that great word of the Lord, we have a reading from the 17th chapter of 1 Kings. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Go now to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and live there. For I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he set out and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, Bring me a little water in a vessel so that I may drink. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing bait, only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home, prepare it for myself and my son, so that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Do not be afraid. Go, do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterwards make something for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of meal will not be emptied and the jug of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she did and went, as Elijah said, so that she as well as he and her household ate for many days. The jar of meal was not emptied, neither did the jug of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The second reading today comes from the ninth chapter of Hebrews. Christ did not enter a sanctuary made by human hands, a mere copy of the true one, but he entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself again and again as the high priest enters the holy place year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have had to suffer again and again since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once and for all at the end of the age to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for mortals to die once, and after that the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. 
The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the 12th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Grace to you and peace this day from the God who was and is and is to come. I bring you greetings from Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University. It's a privilege to be here with you today, not only as the dean of the seminary from which your pastor graduated, but also as a longtime friend of the Gehring family. Martin and I have known each other since we were teenagers. <laughs> I met his mother, Betty, first and adopted her as an honorary godmother. I have many fond memories of time spent in the Gehring home, times characterized by music and food and wit and laughter and faith. So let me share two stories about Martin before moving into the stories of the two widows that the lectionary offers us today. Martin and Ruth, Betty and Phil, don't worry. The first story. I had the privilege of being one of the assisting ministers at Ruth and Martin's wedding. I have one clear memory from the wedding rehearsal. The pastor was talking the wedding party through the ceremony step by step. When we got to the processional, he said, at this point, we all turn and face the bride. And Martin immediately and unselfconsciously said, shouldn't we all face the cross? So we did. It's not, of course, that Martin wasn't interested in his bride. <laughs> it's that he, they, understood that their wedding was not just about them and their love, but was first and foremost an act of Christian worship. Shouldn't we all face the cross? That's the faith that has sustained Martin and Ruth and indeed the whole Christian community through the years. The second story. When we were college students at Valparaiso University, Martin drew a weekly comic strip called Delmore for the school newspaper. Delmore was kind of a Lutheran ziggy. There's one particular strip I've never forgotten. 
It's early December, the season of Advent, and Delmore goes to his mailbox. In the first frame, Delmore is sifting through all the holiday ads and the junk mail. There's even a card from the local chamber of commerce. Poinsettias are red, frostbite is blue, it's time to spend money, Merry Christmas to you. (laughs) But in the next frame, Delmore finds an unexpected letter. Dear Delmore, received your prayer and am on my way. Hope to arrive by Christmas. Yours truly, God. P.S. Thanks for the invitation. In the last frame of the comic, Delmore has fallen to the ground, a dazed look on his face. And finally, he says in a weak voice, the only thing left to say, you're welcome. Now, Delmore wasn't always or even often a religious comic strip. But this particular strip has stuck with me through the years. It's not so much about the power of prayer as about the surprising power of God. Delmore, it's clear, has been praying. Perhaps the Advent prayer, stir up your power, O Lord, and come. Perhaps the common table prayer, come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Delmore has been praying, but not, it seems, expecting that his prayers would result in anything much. When God responds personally to Delmore's routine prayers, Delmore is stunned. God takes Delmore's faith even more seriously than Delmore does. God surprises Delmore. God shows up. Delmore didn't get it at first. But the cartoonist, your pastor, did. Today's Old Testament reading and gospel text present us with conflicting narratives of scarcity and abundance. Each text focuses our attention on a widow. In 1 Kings, God sends the prophet Elijah to Zarephath, saying, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Now, what's surprising about this text is that when Elijah shows up, the widow herself seems to have absolutely no idea that God had commanded her to feed him. When Elijah asks for a small morsel of bread, the woman insists that she does not have enough to share. She has only the smallest amount of oil and of grain, she says, just enough to make one last meal for herself and her son before they lie down to die. Such utter poverty. Such lack of hope. The widow of Zarephath expected nothing more than one last small cake of bread followed by death. And then suddenly God breaks into her life. In the person of the prophet Elijah, God breaks in. 
Elijah speaks a word of abundance into the midst of her poverty. Elijah speaks the promise of God who works life even in the midst of death. Elijah speaks God's promise that the widow's supply of oil and grain will be enough. Enough to feed him, enough to feed herself and her son, enough to last until the time of drought and famine has ended. Elijah shows up when the widow has nothing left to rely on. Elijah speaks God's word of promise when the widow has no hope, and God's promise is fulfilled. God shows up for the widow of Zarephath, just as God showed up for Delmore, but this time in real life, not a comic strip. So did the widow feed Elijah, or did Elijah feed her? The situation in Mark's gospel is a bit different. Again, our attention is drawn to a poor widow. A widow who comes to the temple to offer her last two coins to God. Often we rush straight to the example of the widow's generosity. But it's important for us to look at the context described in the first few verses of the gospel reading. Beware of the scribes, the religious leaders, Jesus said who have the best seats and the places of honor, they devour widows' houses. They devour widows' houses. The widow of Zarephath was impoverished by circumstances, a long drought, and a son too young to support her. But the widow in Mark's gospel, it seems, is impoverished by exploitation. She has only two coins left to give because of the self-serving actions of others who put their own advantage ahead of her basic existence. And yet, despite this harsh reality... There is nothing in the text to indicate that this widow is hopeless. She's not giving away the last that she has and then going off to die. She gives all that she has and Jesus commends her for her faithfulness. Others coming to the temple have more than she does. She can't keep up with them. She can't compete. But she gives her all. In poker terms, we would say that the widow has gone all in. Knowing that others have more, knowing that they may well keep increasing the stakes beyond her capacity, nevertheless, she puts everything she has on the table, trusting the hand that she holds, trusting that the God in whom she believes will win the day. We're not told any more of this woman's story, but I'm betting that she made the right bet.
We live in a world whose dominant narrative is scarcity and competition. We're consuming the Earth's resources at a rate faster than can be replenished. The number of undernourished people in the world and the number of obese people in the world are almost exactly the same. We measure people's value by their net worth instead of recognizing their inherent worth as children of God. But Jesus came that we all might have life and have it abundantly. Friends in Christ, will we live out of a mindset of scarcity or of abundance? Will we enjoy our comfort at the expense of others? Will we hoard our last scraps for ourselves? Or trust that God will provide enough for us and for our neighbors? Will we speak our prayers routinely, like Delmore? Or will we expect eagerly that God will show up in our midst? Friends in Christ, we can go all in on God and God's people and God's world because God in Christ has gone all in for us. It's not just as in the comic strip that God will be here in time for Christmas. It's that God in Christ, ha Christ has turned and faced the cross, breaking into our brokenness and raising us to new life. God in Christ showed up for us in the waters of our baptism, ensuring that death is not the last word for those who have been joined to Christ. And God in Christ shows up week after week in the bread and wine of the meal that we share at the altar today. And when you forget, on the days that it's hard to trust the promise on your own, know that God sends pastors and prophets and fellow Christians, and even cartoonists, to speak the word of promise to life in your life. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen.